You're listening to the world-famous Chick Whisperer Podcast. And now, here's your host, Scott McKay. This is Scott McKay. Welcome to you guys from all over the four corners of the earth. This is episode number 45 of the world-famous Chick Whisper podcast. And as always, I've got a huge, gigantic show for you today. What we're going to do is we're going to cover a topic that, I don't know, I think it's a little bit overdue. We're going to talk about how to be a badass. Now, we all know that women like guys who have a certain amount of power. That can be social power. It can be intellectual power, athletic power financial power. The truth of the matter is if you're the kind of man who can demonstrate to a woman that you're powerful, you can show her that you're a protector, a provider, sort of a big four kind of guy. And a lot of you guys are saying, well, wait a minute. You know, I'm not this pro wrestler sized dude. I can't come up with all these incredible intellectual superpowers. I didn't go to Harvard and, you know, things like that. You know, you don't have Super Bowl rings on your fingers and you can't write me a check for a million dollars. How are you going to be a badass? Well, I'll tell you what. I have a guy joining me as co-host of this show today who I think is absolutely the perfect dude to be that co-host for this show. His name is Josh Pellisier, and he's coming from California. Josh, how's it going, man? Uh, great, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's my pleasure because I think you're absolutely the guy to assist me with this conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking we're going to have lots of incredible content to uh, give to these guys today. Now, you have branded your entire company the Dow of Badass, which is kind of mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it sounds to me like Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. You're just kind of bringing together all of these concepts. Uh, so what's up with that? What drove you to kind of uh, go in that direction? Well, I think that a lot of what sort of drove me to create the Dow of Badass as a product, as a sort of system as a whole, is that I felt a lot of guys were focusing on one tiny area, like one technique or one trick they could learn. Uh, and it's really not about that. It's about changing your entire lifestyle. And if you look at it from the very beginning, like you're going into it to get some sort of magic bullet, you never get what you want. It just doesn't work. I know lots of guys that have been chasing one technique after another for 15 years, and they're just not good with women. Uh, not only are they not good with women, they're unfulfilled with women as well, and that's a big problem. So originally, I, I just designed the system so that it would teach all of the uh, sort of rounded aspects to become what women consider a badass. Um, you know, and when I say badass, really, I mean you know to be so exceptional at something as to be sort of intimidating to people. I mean, that's what really a badass is. A badass is somebody who's so good at what they do that people around them are kind of intimidated by that by that ability. And so what I think the guys need to learn is sort of how to be an attractive man so well and how to be so exceptional at it that it's intimidating to other people, but in a really drawing and curious and very powerfully sexy and attractive kind of way. And so that's what I built. Well, you know what? I'm looking forward to the conversation. But before we get to it, we're going to get back on track with our voicemails on these podcasts. And today we got a rather interesting question. Actually, it's sort of a two-part question from Brian, who hails from Lexington, Kentucky. And here's what Brian has to say. Hey, Scott. This is Brian out of uh, Lexington, Kentucky. And the question I have for you is um, how do you get the girl back that you want to be with? Uh, I know a lot of this stuff is, is about finding a quality woman. And, um, 
sometimes, you know, you, you've had her and then you go your separate ways for one reason or another. The question is, how do you go about getting back into that relationship, knowing full and well, you know, I've, I've dated for several years, all kinds of different women, and it just keeps coming back to her. And I was wondering if you have any advice either to just move on, um, which I have been doing, I've been dating around, it's been great, but it always comes back to her now. She's actually at the point of trying to hook me up with her friends, which is great. They're very beautiful women as well, but... Um, I don't think it would be fair to them or to myself uh, if I'm always going to be comparing them to her. Talk to you soon. Well, you know, Josh, it seems like everybody out there has a book on how to get your ex back or how mm -hmm. to save your relationship, et cetera, et cetera. What I liked about Brian's situation is he's not only wondering about that classic quandary of, well, I've lost my girlfriend. How do I get her back? He's got this interesting twist where now his ex-girlfriend is actually – offering to introduce him to her hot friends. And I don't know. Right. I'm thinking maybe he's a little bit torn there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's I got to I got to give Brian some props here, though, for this, because literally he said it's not fair for these other girls that he'll be comparing, you know, their friend to them forever. You know, so it's really powerful integrity that Brian has in the situation, which is really great. You know, like you're saying, there's a lot of, you know, how do you get your ex back kind of systems that are out there. And I, and I think that largely most of them are are not actually good for guys. I think that the question is, do you really want to get your ex back or, or are you just kind of are you holding on to it because it's sort of this thing that you need now or is it something that's actually going to make both of your lives more enriched? And so in this case here, in this scenario specifically, he has got lots of options, which is great, and his ex-girlfriend's actually introducing him to other women, you know, and but he doesn't want to you know compare these new girls to his ex-girlfriend because he loves her so much and or you know he misses her so much. I don't know if I ever told you this before, Scott, but I, I actually had a really similar situation for about, uh, I don't know, it must have been 10 years. I was chasing after this one specific girl. And everyone that I was dating in between then, it was me sort of accepting that I'd never have this girl that I wanted and then going for everybody else as sort of an aside. And I can tell you that I wasted a lot of time doing that. Um, and I did, you know, I, it wasn't fair to those girls. I really did sometimes compare them in my mind. I'd compare them to this first girl that I had that I met that I really wanted and so I started studying as a direct result of this. So it's kind of random that this, this situation popped up. I started studying what I, what I know now as a direct result of trying to get this girl back. And it took me 10 years. You know, my entire life was based around this idea of learning what makes a man attractive. And 10 years later, I then was able to attract this girl, actually literally went back and got her. And she lives with me now. <laughs> She's my girlfriend. And I knew that then if I chased after her, and tried to go after her then that it was going to ruin everything. And so in my opinion, I mean, if the relationship has sort of run its course, your ex-girlfriend's introducing you to new girls, on one hand, yes, it's not fair for you to compare uh, you know, all these new girls to your ex-girlfriend. You don't want them to sort of be roped into this. But at the same time, it's not really fair for you to be stuck on your ex-girlfriend and not let her sort of move on if she's ready to move on either. So I think that what really needs to happen here is, is some sort of face-to-face -face confrontation with your ex-girlfriend about this sort of thing. What do you think, Scott? Well, I mean, you threw me a complete curve because you chased after your ex-girlfriend for 10 years and it sort of worked. I mean, obviously you had to become a little bit more of what you would term a badass between, right. you know, starting point and end point in that 10 year period. But right. man, that's really an interesting thing because what I was going to do was I was going to confess I had a similar situation also when I was in college mm -hmm. where man, this one little gal showed up at college and out of every girl in my entire college, which was admittedly a small college, she's mm -hmm. the one I wanted. And, 
after about six or seven months, I finally asked her out. She said yes, and we went out for ages. But I just became too compulsive mm-hmm. and obsessive, and I lost her. And mm-hmm. for the next few years, all I wanted was her back, even though I knew I wasn't going to get her back. And I was comparing all these other women to her. Right. And um, of course, you know, this was many, many moons ago, guys. This was probably 15 years before I ever decided to be a dating coach. So these mm-hmm. are the mistakes that I had to kind of take my lumps on over the years and learn from. But, you know, what I would say, my side of the coin here is I am now married to a woman who is absolutely fantastic. She's the woman of my dreams. And one day I kind of jolted myself awake at night with the question, you know, would I trade my current wife, you know, Emily, for this other woman if I could change everything and go back and get her? And the answer is absolutely not. Right. You know, Emily outclasses her, outdoes her in every single way. I just didn't know how good it would get for me if I, you know, worked on myself as a man and the quality of woman I was able to get, because there were a lot of things I ended up settling for in that woman as I got to know her a little bit better. Overall, I'm hoping guys don't listen to this message and that great story you just gave and start thinking, you know, that's exactly what's going to happen for me. Hopefully it won't take me 10 years. It'll take me 30 minutes, but it took Josh 10 years because, you know, he was a jerk or something, you know, for me, you know, now I'm energized. I am going to redouble my efforts, whatever I'm doing wrong. I'm going to do twice as much of it. Darn it. So I can get this woman back. You know, that's not what it's about. I think what you said at the beginning of your reply to Brian was the most poignant part of all, which is, you know, if you broke up, it's probably for a reason. Mm-hmm. Six, seven, eight years from now, when there's water under the bridge and you're two completely different people, if you find yourself being drawn back together, well, then it's meant to be. It's exactly the point. I totally agree. And that's what happened here, too, is mentally I was – I just loved this woman and I thought I'd never have her. You know, So I sort of let go of it as much as I possibly could and then worked on myself nonstop. And then it just sort of happened that we came back together. It was, it was totally by accident. I didn't use – any sort of mind games, nothing weird. There was nothing like no trick or technique I used. It was just that my lifestyle had changed so much and I had grown as a man so much that uh, when she met me again, it was it was the right time, you know, Scott. And that's really that's really what I wanted to hit on. So I'm glad you touched on that. Yeah, it sounds like a <laughs> it sounds like one serious cliche of a motivational poster, doesn't it? If you love something, <laughs> set it free. If it comes back to you, it's yours. If it doesn't, it never was. It's like that's exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. And you know, as much as that gives me a headache, it's probably something guys can think about. But integral to that whole process for you was you let her go. You grew right. as a person, and you know whether you got back together. However, you ended up touching base again, social media, Facebook, at a party somewhere. You both happened to move to the same city and you know it was this incredible Hollywood meet cute thing. Who knows? But mm-hmm. however that happened for you, it was because it was the right thing to do when in the past your breakup was probably also the right thing to do. Right. But, and I realized this too. And this is something to think about, Brian, is that you know if you stayed with her currently and you didn't become the man that you need to become in order to truly attract her long term – do you, would you say that there's more of a chance for you to screw it up now forever or um, more of a chance for you to succeed with it now forever? And I think that the truth here is probably that if you stayed with her and you didn't break up and you didn't move on and you didn't grow as a person and you got back together again and tried to force it, then I, I really do think you're going to end up forcing the relationship too soon and you're going to grow apart from each other instead of growing together. Yeah. And that's probably what you have to look forward to. So if you know, I had to choose between forcing it now and definitely making it not work, versus letting it go now and possibly leaving the opportunity for it to happen in the future, I'd always choose the second opportunity, second, second option there. Yeah. And so and that, you know, that's what I would definitely suggest. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, history will repeat itself if you just keep doing the same things that contributed to the breakup to begin with. Now, right. if you made a stupid mistake and you cheated on her or whatever and you get her back, obviously you're going to have to change things there, but you may never have that trust again. No matter what the situation is, there's always going to be this little block that wasn't there before the first breakup that's going to make it even harder to stay together, especially if it's very soon afterwards. A lot of these books that talk about how to get your ex back – they're basically trying to show you how to get what you want. But there's always another person, and she has her own autonomous decision-making power. And you're not always going to get what you want, especially if you try hard to get it. Now, mm-hmm. I want to throw a curve at this whole conversation. I think it's really going to change the pace, and I think it's really going to get guys to think. And I'm not some super genius for coming up with this. It's coming from a position of me having experienced before and been amazed. I actually had a woman – who messed up with me a little bit. We kind of just got our wires crossed on the first couple of dates and sort of just didn't talk to each other anymore. I liked her, and it turned out she kind of liked me a little bit too. So I called her up and I said, hey, uh, you know, here's the deal. I kind of uh, want to pick up the pieces here and let's see what we can do. And she said, well, you know, I've kind of already started dating this other guy, and I'm sort of interested uh, to see how it goes. You know, I like you too. But, you know, come to think of it, I'm going to just see how it goes with this guy. By the way. I have a friend of mine who is just absolutely adorable. You're just going to love her. She's going to think you're great, okay? And I think you two should go out sometime. Well, you know, I'm telling her, I've never seen this girl. You got a picture or anything? Well, no, (laughs) promise me. I promise you she's adorable. You're going to just think she's great. She's this cute little Asian gal, but she's born in America, and, you know, you two are both smart. You'll love each other. I'm thinking to myself, it's kind of weird this woman is already setting me up with friends of hers. I guess this must mean it's permanent that she doesn't want to talk to me anymore. (laughs) You see? Mm Mm-hmm. And Brian, listen closely to what I'm about to say next, okay? Because this is something that you want to consider that you may not have considered before. I went ahead and called her friend, and we had a very, very nice conversation. And I said to her, yeah, you know, maybe we should get together and have coffee sometime. And she was, you know, giggling and having a good time and seemed, you know, like she was very attracted by the conversation, even though we haven't met each other yet. So um, I was thinking, yeah, okay, well, you know what? Let me touch base with you on Tuesday, and we'll make plans. So that was a couple of days away. Well, somehow between that conversation and next Tuesday, you know, let's call her HBA, okay? (laughs) Not babe number one, you know, the redhead who I was going to go out with originally. And I'd gone out with her for a couple of dates and she was saying she was going out with another guy. Out of the blue, Monday afternoon, she calls me up and says, hey, you know what? It just didn't really work out between me and that other guy. You know, let's go out and have coffee. (laughs) And I was like, well, what about this other gal you set me up with? She and I were kind of getting along already. Well, you can make your choice, but I'm saying I'd love to take you up on coffee. And I ended up going out with her for a while, and I never picked it up with the other girl. And, you know, it took me the longest time to figure out that she wanted a second opinion on me. Hmm. So here's the question I've got for Brian. Brian, could it be possible that, you know, she's just not sure about you? She may have sensed there's a little bit of change there and she's feeling kind of sweaty between the thighs again for you, but, you know, she just doesn't know. So maybe she's sticking her friends on you so that they can report back to her how it's going with you and what kind of guy you are and whether you're kind of fun to go out with, whether you're trying to get in their pants too quickly. Could it be kind of a scouting operation there? Could it be some (laughs) reconnaissance? Maybe, maybe not. It could very much also be, look, 
Brian, I'm trying to wash my hands of you here. Will you please just go out and date some of my other girlfriends here so we can get on with it? But I'm sort of leaning towards the first option, surprisingly enough, and here's why. Girls are extremely catty. If they can help it, if they have history with you already, they're trying not to have you end up with one of their friends. They do not want to be a bridesmaid in that wedding someday. They don't want to hear all the sex stories. They do not want to hear about it. So unless she is some kind of super liberated, open-minded chick, which, of course, the chances of that are ever increasing in today's society, but not quite to the level I would like to see them at before I'm willing to throw a blanket over the, hey, she's just letting you go and washing her hands of it Mm -hmm. bit yet, I think you may want to watch out for this because it could mean your ex-girlfriend is actually reconsidering going out with you yet, but she trusts her friend's judgment, and she just kind of wants to know a little bit more about what you're like. Why would she do that instead of just going out with you again? Well, the answer to that's pretty simple because if she goes out with you again, you're going out together again. I mean, it's going to be kind of an all-in thing. There's not like, hey, let's just check out each other for coffee or whatever and kind of just be friends. She knows that you know that if you end up going out for coffee or breakfast again, you're going to end up hopping in the sack again. That's the way it's going to be. At least that's how women tend to see it. So consider that angle of it too. And I think you'll have just a lot more of the big picture and certainly a lot more 2020 foresight as you go forward. So something to think about there. Yeah, that's great. That's funny. I think about the recon aspect of all that. It all sounds so intelligent, you know, oh, it is. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I've had um for a long time, for probably about four years before I met uh, my current girlfriend, I was polyamorous. I was I date multiple women at the same time, and they all knew about it ahead of time. And they weren't down with it when I first started talking to them. I, I wouldn't date them. And the reason why I did that in the beginning is because uh, that's really what dating is um, in the beginning. If you're not committed yet, everyone's sort of dating around and seeing what they like, and everyone's just kind of lying about it in the beginning. Instead of putting up a front and, and trying to pretend like I wasn't seeing other people and they weren't seeing other people, I just made it okay. And what I found was that the women that I really wanted to be with that were really awesome, it was one of the best filters I could ever throw at them. Like I, I didn't even think about this. It wasn't, wasn't a conscious test of mine. But I ended up noticing that the qualities that were attracting me to these other women to want to be monogamous with them uh, only came out whenever they thought that I was dating other people. And I could see their sort of true colors. And whenever that happened, I could really see who was good for me and who wasn't. Um, so it's really a powerful concept, the idea that she could be you know, handing her friends over to you. Though I think that's kind of – if her friends aren't in on it, that's kind of bad. You know? Oh, her no. Friend, I would hope her friends are in on it. I mean if that <laughs> sure wasn't so. implicit, let me go ahead and give some clarity to that. Yes, I think her friends would be in on that because you know, obviously there's some trust there. Um, right. By the way, Josh, you know, if dating multiple women at once and being honest about it equals polyamory, then I'm guilty as charged. I agree a thousand percent with what you're saying. You know, the more honest you are with multiple women you're dating about not only that you're seeing other women, but why you're seeing other women and why you're not just jumping into a monogamous exclusive relationship with a woman just because either she said so or because you just met each other, I think is very valid. I mean, you just tell women, hey, look, you know what? When I get into an exclusive relationship with a woman, it's because I mean it. That matters to me. I don't take that lightly. It's because I want to spend time with someone to the exclusion of everyone else, and I already know that. Mm -hmm. And it takes a while for me to figure out what it is I actually want in a woman. And, you know, I just think life's too short to take that one woman every six months at a time. So, yeah, all of that, I think, plays into it also. Kudos to Brian 
for dating other women and not just mm. kind of rolling up into a ball. And I think that may be one of the things that his ex-girlfriend is starting to see as attractive in him that, you know, hey, people buy on the approval of others. And, dude, if you're dating other women, she's going to think that you're attractive to other women and she's going to start whacking herself upside the head with a two-by-four asking herself what's wrong. Right. So, um, you know, the girlfriends may or may not be part of that plan. She may be genuinely saying, hey, look, you know what, uh, Brian, it's time to move on. But I think that's unlikely – that a woman would want you to start getting into close sexual relationships with her friends when she has a history with you. Just right. saying. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Well, you know what, guys? That was an excellent voicemail. If you want to leave a voicemail like that for us and have the possibility of it being played on this show and answered by a world-class expert such as Josh, then what you want to do is you want to call this number. You want to call area code 210 Slap a plus one in front of that if you're outside of the United States of America. And that's 210-360-4400. Once again, that's area code 210-360-4400. When you leave your voicemail, and by the way, guys, we need your voicemails. We need some good, solid questions asked on this show. So if you have any any inkling at all to pick up the phone and ask a question for the show, by all means do it. And when you get through to us, first of all, you can call 247 365 and a third. No one's ever going to answer the phone. Okay. It's a voicemail system. What you're going to want to do is you're going to want to ask your question, make sure you're clear, and definitely make sure it's a question that can relate to a lot of guys listening to this show. If it's something very unique to you, it'll never make the show. I can tell you that right now. Then at the end, definitely tell us your full name. Give me your email address and spell it out. And you probably are wondering why I would want your email address. Well, when we play your voicemail on our show, what we do is we give you one very cool prize. And in today's case, it's going to be a badass prize. That's because my friend Josh here, who's got the Dow of badass going for him, is going to uh, bestow upon Brian a very, very special prize. What do you got for Brian, Josh? Uh, well, for Brian, for that very awesome question and for his level of integrity here, which I got to applaud him for. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and hook him up with everything we've done at the Dow of Badass. So I, that's, wow. you know, that is thousands of dollars worth of systems, materials. You're going to be set up for months and months and months just learning uh, and trying this stuff out. Of course, we're going to give you lots of support and everything as well. Uh, so congratulations on that, man. I'm very happy and honored to be the person to be able to help sort of shuffle you through this part of your life and sort of help you take it to the next level. Very cool. That may be the coolest reward ever given as a bounty for a voicemail on the show. I think that's pretty awesome. And uh, Brian, once again, thanks. And we hope that what we uh, suggested to you today will be of some help to you. And by the way, guys, you know what? You might want to get your hands on a copy of the Dow of Badass yourself. It's brand new. As of the time we're actually recording this podcast, the official worldwide launch hasn't even happened yet. But here's a little secret. You can get your hands on it even now if you go to the chickwhisperer.com front slash Josh, J-O-S-H. And uh, price is right. There's a lot going on in there. It's a complete system. And the webpage even looks cool, so it's worth you checking out. Now, Josh, let's get on to the meat and potatoes of this conversation, how to be a badass. Right. Now, my first question for you is, you know, a lot of your initial program here on the Dow of Badass has a lot to do with guys learning how to attract women. Mm -hmm. Is it the chicken or the egg here? Do you become a badass because you're good with women, so you better just learn how to become good with women so you're a badass? Or does being a badass kind of make you better with women? You know what's funny is – and this is a really, really good question. 
and I've gotten this a lot, and I and I really have mulled this over so many times in my head, and I think I've come up with what I believe to be the true answer to this question, and that is women are attracted to a badass, yes. So if you're a badass first, then women will be attracted to you. But what makes you a badass is not that women are attracted to you. It's that you think women are attracted to you, and that's what makes you a badass. So really what makes you a badass is that you think you're a badass, and you really treat yourself like you are. So there's this concept of a of value. So we equate being a badass with being very confident. And you and I both know Scott, and I'm sure you know you listening, everyone who's listening right now knows as well that women definitely attribute confidence as being probably the, if not the most, then definitely one of the most attractive qualities in a man. And it's just sort of repeated across the entire board, across all cultures, confidence is the most positively attractive quality in a man. But what is confidence really? Well, when you break it down, confidence is really your perception of your own self-worth how much you think you're worth. If you think you're worth a lot, then you act a certain way and that way is considered to be confident. And so really, uh, if you want to attract women sort of in a, in a way that's very holistic, in a way that is very real, and in a way that is very uh, to the core and not faked in any kind of way, the way to do it is to not fake being confident, not fake being a badass, but to truly change what you see and what you recognize in other people and other women as well and recognize that women are attracted to you and recognize when they are and uh, just understand the rules a little bit so that you can then feel very valuable as a man. And one way that guys do this is they, you know, they try to get women to chase them or they try to get a lot of options. Uh, whichever way you really need to do it. I mean, I, I don't really consider making a whole bunch of women chase you all at once and not really caring about them being a very good quality. I think it's a very bad thing to do. Or at least I don't do that and never have. But uh, whatever I think that whatever helps take you to sort of the next level to understand your own personal value, that you are worth something, not just something, but that lots of women are attracted to you all the time. And, um, you know, if you're faking that, if you're trying to convince her of that, she'll see it immediately. Women are like human lie detector tests. They are so good at detecting your BS, you know, and that's that's good for you, really, because it sort of forces you to stay within integrity. So instead of trying to convince a woman that you are confident Instead, you spend all your time convincing yourself that you're confident, uh, and that really will change a massive amount of your response from women. That, and, and also, I definitely think that learning how to read body language, understanding sort of the system behind what um, you know, attraction is just the very beginning of an interaction. So, understanding what to do after you've attracted a woman, and after you've sort of built this really powerful, strong connection, and you know, she's playing the game with you a little bit too, and she's sort of helping out and and sort of keeping the conversation going. And then you guys can progress, of course, if you want to, on to some sort of a physical level. You know, knowing all that stuff is very important too, but at the core, the most important thing, uh, sort of out the gate, is you having a very high perceived value, perceived self-worth, uh, just for yourself in general. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I've defined confidence in the past also as your belief in your own competence. In other mm -hmm. words, I know I'm good at something. So I'm going to feel good about my ability to execute on any plan related to it. In other words, yes, I have a good solid self-worth at the core, but I can also be confident in certain situations and not so confident in other situations. Mm -hmm. Like when I stand up in front of a large crowd to speak to them, I'm extremely confident because that's something I was born to do. When I took up the game of lacrosse after 27 years on the sideline and joined the 18 over league, and I am now 44 years old, it was hard for me to go out there and pretend I was Mr. Alpha on that lacrosse field. It just wasn't going to happen. And I didn't have confidence that I was going to go out there and just kick ass with all these guys. So I had to have a little bit of humility till I worked up my sense of competence. 
And then once I recognize that I'm good at something, now I'm better at lacrosse after a year having been back, I can be a little bit more confident in my game. And sure enough, guys are feeding me the ball more. I'm scoring and you know having assists and all that good stuff. But it just didn't come because I willed it upon myself. There had to be that cornerstone of competence. So mm-hmm. I don't know, Josh. Maybe you can comment on this. When I think of being a badass – when a guy looks at another dude and says, all right, you know what? I'm going to check my own ego at the door. Dude is a badass. It's mm-hmm. because not only does he recognize the guy has confidence in himself to complete a task, but he can back that up. I mean, right. you know, when I go out and I'm watching these guys race motocross and I'm watching the NBA playoffs or whatever, I can tell who's a badass and I can tell who's intimidated out there. Mm-hmm. And being intimidated will not make you a badass. Therefore, if you're intimidated by women – you're not a badass with women yet. And a lot of these guys, even online, mind you, are writing to women or they're talking to women in person or they're just shying away from talking to women in general because they're afraid of women. They're afraid of offending women. They're afraid of their masculinity coming through and that somehow being something women don't want. They're afraid because they're not really sure what women want out of a guy. And, of course, they're afraid of the quote-unquote rejection. And I put the word rejection in quotes because I think it's something we make up. So, you know, go ahead and comment on that. All that I just kind of threw out there, too. I'm sure you have plenty to say about it. Sure, yeah, man. I mean, I think that one of the very core concepts you're hitting on is this level of competence. And not just that you have a level of competence, but also that you recognize your own level of competence. Because that really is really difficult for a lot of guys to do. Is, uh, you know, they'll be very good, but they just don't see themselves as very good. Or, uh, you know, a great artist will look at his painting and really scrutinize it. A great basketball player, like you're saying, may may make one tiny mistake and feel very, very, like, insecure about his game that day. You know, and I think what it comes down to is that when you were saying before about lacrosse and how you were sort of out of the game for a while and then you came back in, how you hadn't really had the practice yet and you had to build that competency back up. Well, I think that that's the same in a lot of ways to how we attract and how we become attractive to women. I believe that our ability to socially attract women, which is really what most of this is about now, is it's about socially attracting women, is uh, is like a muscle. I mean, you you have you haven't been out attracting and talking to women for a long time, and you haven't been sort of building up that ability, or you know, you weren't used to it, that sort of habit of talking to women often then uh, your social muscle gets sort of weak. And if it gets weak, then it can atrophy. And if you try to go out, it's like going to the gym and trying to lift 500 pounds on the bench press. I mean, you can't do it if you haven't been working out for you know every day for a long, long time. I can never do it probably. And I wouldn't go out. You wouldn't go out and do that. You wouldn't stack on you know, 400, 300 pounds onto a bench press and then try it if you haven't been to the gym in two years. And in the same way, you shouldn't expect that you're going to just walk right out and do you know, a restaurant or coffee shop or meet a girl online and meet up with her in person afterwards. You shouldn't expect that it's just going to go and be perfect 100% of the time after that. You have to build up that competency. But you have to be willing to, Scott. And that's what I think is really big, what you're hitting on now. You have to be willing to say, you know what? I'm not going to be awesome in the beginning. I'm going to try it, though, and I have a strategic way of trying it out. And when I see the results, I'm going to recognize it, and I'm going to give myself props. Yeah, you have to be committed to the process. And so many guys are so worried about looking silly or not looking as alpha as they want to look that they won't even try anything that they're not good at. And what that means is you're stuck at your current level for the rest of your life at whatever you're trying to do. And you're one, you're a one-trick pony, you know? That's a really ugly thing to women. And what happens – and you see these guys all the time. These are the sort of overly alpha dudes that are just jerks. You know, the guys who are really loud, who are trying to get everyone's attention, who do sort of a dog and pony show to try to get girls' attention. 
this is what these guys are doing. They have one thing that they can do, and they're trying to sort of always present that thing. And Scott, have you ever been talking to a guy? I'm sure you have because we know a lot of the same people. I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> Hold on. I don't know where you're going with the conversation. <laughs> I'm just answering it pragmatically. Go ahead. Please. Sure, sure. Um, so – so have you ever been talking to a guy and, and he's sort of an expert in the subject mm-hmm. and then you try to talk about something else, the conversation just sort of flows into a different direction and he just keeps bringing it back to the same thing from before. Like he will not let that die, that one <laughs> conversation. He's, it's like he has to hold on to it. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and this is because this is his only perceived sense of value. And so he's trying to present himself in a valuable way but because he only has one area of value – He's sort of limited, and he, you know, it's, women find this very, very unattractive. I think that's more the norm than the exception. It, and like, it is. I'm, I'm one of these Renaissance guys who likes to do a bunch of stuff. I'm one of these silly guys who likes to still go out and race BMX, you know, because it's just fun to play in the dirt, and I never grew up. <laughs> I also play lacrosse. I also uh, am taking my private pilot's training. I also do a lot of travel. I'm involved in social media. I know all of you dating guru dudes on earth, I think. And it's amazing how whenever I'm chatting with someone from that group, they don't want to talk about anything else but what that particular interest is. Right. Like none of my lacrosse buddies give a rat's ass I'm a dating coach. I don't even tell them. (laughs) None of my dating coach buddies give a rat's ass about motorcycles. And, you know, people who are big time into travel, you know, they're not into anything else. They just plan traveling. And it really, really is true. Guys become a nut for something. And then you walk in their house and you see nothing but baseball memorabilia or you see nothing but mountain bikes in their garage or you see nothing but golf clubs and golf toys all over their house. And that's what they're into. And that's it. And it seems like you're absolutely right. A lot of us guys are unidimensional. And I tell you what, I also think you're right on. If you can become maybe the jack of all trades and the master of some if not the master of none, as opposed to just tunnel vision about NFL draft. You know, every time I see Mel Kuyper on TV, I really feel sorry for his wife. And, you know, now I know why, because of what you just said. You know, that guy thinks NFL draft, NFL draft. He knows every little wonkish statistic about every guy who didn't get drafted this year after 10 rounds of it or whatever. They, I don't even know how many rounds they do. Was it eight now for NFL? It used to be more. He knows every single guy. He can at any time during the NFL draft tell you who the five best available players are when you're midway through the fifth round. Dude, that's a sickness. That's too much. You know, you just can't do that. And then there's three other guys who are trying to be the next Mel Kuyper. I feel bad for their wives. That's all I feel. And I feel bad for their boys too because, I mean, God, Mel, will you please stop talking about, you know, this defensive back from Murray State or whatever. Do something else. Enjoy something else. There's just no time for it if you're like that. You know what's funny is that this hits on something really, really powerful. hope you don't mind if I drop it into it real quick because it's such a perfect fit. Such a perfect fit for it. So whenever we meet people, we have sort of these – You can imagine we have folders in our mind that we put people in, right? We label them and we do it very, very, very quickly and it happens all subconsciously. Um, And there's a very good reason why we do this. I mean, if you think about it evolutionarily, you know, mouse walks by, sees a cat and says, cat. The mouse doesn't need to think anything else. It just says cat equals run away, right? So that's fine. That makes sense. And we do the same thing with people. But now since we've added society into our sort of lives as a species, and we're very, very focused around society, it's not survival of the fittest anymore. It's survival of the socially fittest now. I mean, the weak do survive. And in fact, they thrive. The physically weak will thrive. It's the socially weak that don't thrive as well. You know, the socially weak are the ones that are sort of on the back burner now that can't do this so well, that can't really uh, move forward and progress. And the socially strong are the ones that are able to progress. And the cool thing now is that you can actually learn 
your ability to be socially strong. So what we do is when we see people, we put them in folders. Now, what happens if you see somebody and you don't have a folder? Well, you make one up. You have to. You have to make a folder up. So I'll give an example of a folder. Uh, you know, girls see a guy and they might go, oh, that's the uh, gangster kind of guy. That dude's kind of a gangster. All right, so this guy over here is kind of a nerd. This guy over here is emo. You know, <laughs> this guy over here is into football. He's that football guy. You know, anytime that you are that, that underscore guy, that blank guy, then there's no curiosity. There's no attraction. They've pegged you and you're done. Why should they want to know? The only reason why they'd want to know more about you is if they happen to be into whatever it is that you identify with. So here's what I suggest. I think that it's better to identify yourself with a few different things. Now, I'm not saying 100 things like Scott, like you and I do. I mean, you and I do this. I mean, I've worn many hats. Let's just put it that way across my lifetime so far. And so have you. And, you know, sometimes they intersect and sometimes they don't. But ultimately, when you start to break it down, it amazes some people. They'll be like, wow, you do that and this. And what don't you do? You know, you're amazing. This is amazing. And so what happens is they can't put you in a folder and just put you away and file you away in their mind. They have to go, let me create something new for this guy. You know, so I would suggest that, you know, if you are something stereotypically rough or tough, identify with something stereotypically softer. Like, you know, there's the big, strong guy who works out at the gym a lot, who does slam poetry every Friday. You know, okay, well, he's a poet, but he's a bodybuilder. That doesn't really fit well, so we have to make a new folder for this guy. You know, and from there, your curiosity automatically happens. And so from there, you know, you have the first stage of the interaction taken care of once you have this identity that people can't just peg down in one word. You know, like like you're saying, that's the football draft guy, the NFL draft guy. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that blank anything. You know, ultimately, you want to be... That guy who's also this thing, who's also this thing. And if you can just think about some of the things you're into and just identify with those things, you'll become more attractive even if it's, you know, chess and, you know, basketball and, I don't know, underwater basket weaving. That's just what you love to do. That's who you are. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as they can't place you in one folder in their minds, you're good. You know, what you're bringing up is not only right on target, but it kind of plays into something I call the Barney Rubble factor. <laughs> now, I think I might have talked about this on the show before, but just briefly. The thing about when you watch those old 60s Flintstone shows is Fred's always the one who's kind of bragging about how great he is or whatever and how he's got the solution. He's kind of this big loud mouth. And then he kind of always messes up, right? And, you know, his wife gets mad at him and then she loves him at the end. It's just a honeymooners cartoon, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the funny thing about Fred is he's got that confidence you're talking about, but he doesn't usually have the competence to back it up. Mm -hmm. And that's, of course, funny, but it kind of makes Fred look a little douchey. <laughs> and so, you know, if you yeah, kind of start – douchey, actually. Yabba dabba douchey. Wow, beautiful. <laughs> now that was the line. That's the word of the day. Mark that. That was history making. Yabba dabba douchey was Fred Flintstone. Now, why is that? Well, because his confidence exceeded his competence. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not that he's a completely incompetent chode. I mean, you know, he does whatever he does at work pretty well. He's a good bowler. He can shoot some pool, you know. But, you know, he's always too confident for his competence. You know, regardless of the fact that he's a multi-trick pony, right? Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, let's look at Barney for a second. I don't want to say Barney is the classic kind of little dumb sidekick. Barney is kind of like 
Fred's character foil in that show. Meaning, you know, he's kind of like someone who completes him and provides balance to that character. Mm-hmm. Therefore, Barney always seems like he's got it under control. You know, he seems like he's going to be able to get the job done. He's just not very loud about it. In fact, sometimes he just kind of goes with the flow and kind of lets Fred finish doing what he's going to do. But man, when the chips are down, Barney can pull stuff out of his back pocket like a magician pulls a rabbit out of a hat. I mean, there's one episode where they lose all their money in Vegas or something, and next thing you know, Barney's up there just tickling the ivories like a freaking pro, you know, just playing piano and singing. And it's like, dude, where did you get that? You know, who knew, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and he can do that on every show, just come up with some kind of heroism, some incredible skill. Like, my man Barney, you know, just gets the job done when the chips are down. That means Barney is the badass and Fred mm-hmm. isn't. Because right. see, now look at the balance there, okay? Competence and confidence. If your confidence is there, and it's absolutely evident to everyone you're a confident human being, but when it comes time to shake out what you're competent at, it exceeds people's expectations. That's when people sit around and go, okay, now that dude's a badass. Yeah. But no matter how competent you are, if you are crowing about how great you are all the time, Muhammad Ali, notwithstanding, as a historical exception, right. people are not going to like you. Why do people not like LeBron James anymore? Because he felt like he had to have a whole hour on ESPN to announce where he was going to play next year when guys like Tim Duncan and Kevin Durant kind of just sign their contracts and move on. Dude, mm-hmm. that is not being a badass. That's being a D-bag. There's a balance there. And when you can be this guy who is a little bit more competent than even the decent amount of confidence he shows, and when you're gracious to other people as opposed to beating your chest, that's when you come off like a badass instead of being a douchebag. And that's when your boys will surround and go. I mean, other dudes will go, no, that dude's a badass. The other thing is, like you said, and I think you make an excellent point, Josh, you can't just be that one-trick pony. The more you're good at and can kind of keep quiet in the background, but confidently execute upon when the chips are down, the better you are. I mean, the more of a badass you are. It's like, you know, this guy just stands up and he's the MC, and all of a sudden he's cracking jokes. It's like, who knew, man? That guy's a badass. And, you know, that's right after we kind of thought of him as this guy who was better at maybe doing something else. I'll give you a direct example of what I'm talking about, okay? When I go out and play the cross, most of those guys who play lacrosse, some of those guys who are sophomores at A&M or at Baylor or somewhere where they have a Division One lacrosse team who are coming out and playing on the same teams I am during the summer for summer league are looking at me going, there's that guy who's you know not that great at lacrosse. I mean, I admire the fact that he comes out here at age 44 and does it, but, you know, all right, he's just another dude. Pretty nice guy. Okay. Well, my wife will come out and watch me play lacrosse. And she'll watch me get my butt kicked and get knocked on my ass by some other guy and get up and, you know, catch the ball anyway and make an assist or make a shot. She knows I'm not the best guy on the team, but she also knows where lacrosse is on my list of priorities in life. And I'll tell you what, when we get in the car and come home after a lacrosse game, she's horny for me. (laughs) Okay? She doesn't see me as that mediocre lacrosse guy. Right. She sees me as this guy who's absolutely amazing at all this other stuff and still decide to layer on top of that going out and hang out with those 20-year-old guys and making a shot and scoring today. 
Mm-hmm. Big difference. So see, what goes along with that is if you can kind of deviate from being this one trick pony and kind of hang in your badass star on that one trick you can do and instead get a little better at some other things, not only are you going to separate yourself from this herd of other guys who have tunnel vision around one interest, but you don't have to be so good at everything. You can be sort of good at a whole bunch of things and as long as you have that Barney Rubble attitude – as opposed to the Fred Flintstone attitude. Mm-hmm. I know how silly this sounds, but it is what it is. <laughs> as soon as you have the Barney Rubble factor in your favor, people will start looking at you and going, dude, that guy's a badass. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, it took me a long time to figure this out. Okay. And I'm probably not even there yet. But for you guys listening, you know, I think there's something to it. Definitely. Yeah, man, we had, um, we had talked earlier about being put into a folder or sort of like a, in one spot in someone's mind, being able to be labeled very easily. I think it's really crucial what you're saying now about knowing where your major focus is and then having that and then moving on and having other side things as well. You don't have to be the best at everything. That's not what it's about. <laughs> you know, no. It's not about being the best at everything. But if you do choose something you know, and you, and you do love it a lot and you do it all the time, you're going to get better just because you put in, as Malcolm Gladwell would say, your 10,000 hours. You know, that's where you, know, you have just focused on it so much and you've done it so many times. You know, Malcolm Gladwell is a sort of a new psychologist, I guess, who writes a lot of books. And one of his books, he talks about, you know, what a master is and what it takes to become a master of something. And he says that he studied and they studied a lot of people. And basically all it took was 10,000 hours of study, 10,000 hours of action in that field in order to become a master, whatever that subject is. So if you put your 10,000 hours in one thing, you can't be putting that time in another thing. It doesn't work that way. And the reason why is because you don't have 20,000 hours, you know, in a 10,000 hour span of time. It just doesn't work like that. So, you know, you're not going to be awesome at everything you do, you know, and whatever it is your main focus is, I definitely think that that thing, you know, if it's your main focus and you love it, go for it, do it. But at the same time, take time out to to sort of be a beginner in other things, too, and allow yourself to be that beginner. And at the end of the day, what we're talking about right now is what attracts women to men. This is what they get attracted by. They see these things and they see that this person's good at one thing. And then also okay or great at some things and then okay at a lot of other things. What she does is you become multidimensional where every other man in her vision will be flat and you'll be multidimensional to her. You'll stand out like a sore thumb to this woman. It won't have to do anything else. And it's really, really good. And if you do choose to you know, make that one thing that you're really amazing at, you choose that one thing to be psychology or um, social interaction or social dynamics or skills, and then you are going to excel, drastically excel. Uh, with women. That's just kind of how it is. I mean, I spent my very good chunk of change in my life really uh, just focusing on this. And I, before this, Scott, I was, I did Kung Fu uh, full-time eight hours a day. Um, I lived in the woods for a while, hiked the Appalachian Trail, was a professional sailor. You know, it just went all over the place. I owned some motorcycles too. Didn't do any dirt biking, but owned some motorcycles. And you know, I've, I just have all these different hats that I've put on. I've owned, I've owned nine businesses in my life. My first one when I was 14. And I just, when it comes up and when women ask me or anyone asks me, what do I do for a living or what's my thing, what gets me going, sometimes it's difficult for me to answer that question. you know. Uh, but at the same time, my main focus is I'm a dating coach. I help guys who are like me, you know, who didn't have any skills in the beginning and you know, want to not settle for anything. They want, they want what's perfect for them. They want the best 
thing for them. I'm and that's, that. you know, that's what I do. So earlier you were touching on this whole idea of power being a social thing as opposed to a physical thing. And indeed guys don't have to go out and hunt woolly mammoths and club them over the head and drag them back to the cave and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. We don't have to like beat up everybody who, you know, wants to hit on our wife or whatever. The power is a more subtle thing nowadays. Yet what attracts women is the same. They want a man who is powerful. They want a man who's got a plan, who can be a protector and a provider. Protecting them and providing for them means something different nowadays. But I'll tell you, when you have a perceived confidence that you can handle just about anything, that makes women hot for you. When you seem like no matter what comes along, you'll be able to get out the other side unscathed and take her with you or you know, bring her along with you. That's what says to a woman, he's a provider and he's a protector. I don't have to worry about provision and protection. I don't have to worry about providing for myself or protecting myself as long as this guy's around because he's got a plan. The more that you're good at, the more skills, the more plates you can kind of spin at the same time in terms of what you're capable of. Sooner than later, a woman will say, you know, this guy is capable of enough that he seems capable of anything. And then she just relaxes. And provided she's attracted to you in other ways, she's going to say he's a badass. And she's going to say that's exactly what makes me horny about him. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The one last thing I want to bring up, and I want your comment on this too before we close, is the whole idea of how becoming more of a badass affects your social structure. Because, you know, not everybody's a badass. And I think there are people who become badasses and they become badasses not because they're trying to kick sand in other people's face or because they're trying to generally act like a douchebag. They're not bragging about their Porsche, you know, whatever to guys or to women trying to prove themselves or force themselves or even overpower other people. What they're doing is they're genuinely trying to be decent guys, trying to keep all of their skill set kind of quiet until it's necessary to execute on the plan, like I said before. But, you know, sometimes you can still start losing friends as you increase your power because either they're jealous or because they just don't feel like they relate to you anymore. I know as Emily has gotten to be more effective as a dating coach and she was able to quit her job and we go on these really nice trips together and we have a life that a lot of people, frankly, would like to live. It's harder for her to make female friends if they don't feel like their life kind of matches up to Emily's and Emily never rubs it in or talks about it. It's just something that I've kind of noticed. And I've also noticed that, um, you know, some other guys, if they want what you have, they don't want to be a part of you either. In other words, if a guy is married to a woman who he thinks is ugly or he thinks he's settled for, he really doesn't want to come over your house with her and have dinner with you and your incredible, amazing hot wife. When he says, man, What's that guy have that I don't have? How come I can't have a woman like that? He's just not going to put himself in that position. So what would you say to guys who find maybe some social give and take? I mean, obviously, you're going to have more people crowding around you too. But I think the unexpected piece of becoming a badass is losing some friends, losing part of your social circle. What would you say to guys in that situation? Well, I think that in this specific situation you're talking about now, I mean, if, let's let's take the example of – you have a beautiful wife or a beautiful girlfriend and one of your friends doesn't and they're not going to want to come over because you know he's intimidated by that. Uh, first and foremost, there are two parts to this. The first thing is that nothing can stop you from getting what you feel like you deserve as a man. A lot of people will hold themselves back because you know, the response is, well, if I, if I keep going forward, I'm sort of choosing you know, a woman over my friendship now. 
Well, the truth is you're not doing that. You're choosing what you deserve as a man. You're choosing this thing because it's yours and you're getting it and you, you've earned it. And that's good for you. Uh, and your friend needs to catch up to you is what needs to happen. And if they don't catch up to you and they refuse to grow, you will outgrow them. And it was only a matter of time before that happens in general. The best friends that you'll have moving forward are going to be friends that grow with you, not apart from you. Same thing with relationships. If you don't grow within your relationship together, you grow apart. That's just how it is. Yeah. So the first part of that is, you know, A, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like this, but really just deal with it. <laughs> it's because you're... I agree. You know, you, you have to move forward. There's nothing you can do that will... Nothing's going to stop you from getting the life that you want. Now, uh, on the other hand, you do want to keep your friends and help them along. So I guess the real question is, how do you draw this sort of ability out of your friends as well and give them the abilities to come along with you? I remember when I first started studying really hard, I mean, like um, six days a week, all day long. I lost all my jobs. I had nothing. I mean, I lost all my jobs, all my friends. I broke up with my girlfriend at the time, and I was just studying as much as possible. Everything I'd get my hands on, I, I read everything I could. And, um, you know, some of it was psychology. Some of it was based around neurolinguistic programming. Some of it was etiquette. Like, actually, a great deal of it was etiquette, to be honest, because I, I had an ex-girlfriend tell me that's what she wanted me to be, like, more, have more etiquette. And so I sort of went, I was like, oh, okay, I'll do whatever I need to do. Well, you are a pretty polite <laughs> guy. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Even though I said yabba-dabba-douche earlier, I guess. That, well, that was know, in context. <laughs> um, so, so, I mean, I, I studied everything I possibly could and, and did all that. And I lost a lot of friends during that time. And I... You know, I think of it sometimes like a bottle cap. You know, the bottle goes away and the bottle cap sort of breaks off. And that's all I was left with was that top sort of echelon of the people in my life that helped me get to the next level. And sometimes you are going to have to let people go. And then I would do it in, you know, admirable way as possible. It was really, really nice. And, and so they can have opportunity in the future. But sometimes you want to save it if you can, though. I think that's really powerful. So I would say that there's a concept called value. And value, uh, there's actually a lot of concepts similar to this that sort of play along in the, in the world of psychology. But value is the idea that you have a certain number associated with your self-worth. So there's basically four different types. And rather than getting into all the types right now, I'll tell you that the most common one and then the most attractive one. The most common one is called supplicative. And basically what that means is it means that you're begging for someone's acceptance. So if you're begging for their acceptance, meaning supplicate means to beg. So it means like, bragging about your Porsche, like you were saying earlier, or everything that this person is saying is somehow related to, hey, this is why you should like me. Or they're asking for you to like them constantly. And then the most attractive one is called cooperative value or cooperative dynamics. And this is where you give value to other people and make them feel more valuable as a person. And because of that, you become a leader. And this is sort of where being a true, real badass plays in to your life in a really powerful way. So let's say you have a friend and you realize your friend's value level, like they always supplicate or they're always fighting with you over something or they're always competing with you. If they're trying to put you down, they're probably not your friend, but some people you know, are masochistic that way. They get in relationships like that. So you know, they're either trying to beg for your acceptance, they're trying to fight for your acceptance or like trying to bring you down basically, or they're trying to compete with you uh, for your acceptance and try to be a winner. So if you can figure out which one they are, then you can respond to them in a way that will help them sort of take them to the next level. In this one situation is, you know, will help you sort of keep uh, all your friends. But in a larger scale, if we sort of zoom out for a minute, this is what makes a man totally attractive to the absolute core is being the sort of cooperative value, having what's called what's called being a 10 uh, as, as a guy. 
And so what I would suggest, and the best way to do this, is to um, give people value. And basically that means to compliment them in a way that's very genuine. So Scott, one thing that you have that's very, very powerful, that's very powerful, not just skill set, because you can't really learn this, it's something that you're sort of born with, is a very powerful sense of what is right and what is wrong to you. I mean, and you don't waver from what is right and what is wrong. So if someone screws up, you're like, that's wrong. If they say, no, it's not, you go, well, yes, it is. You know? Um, and so we're making me sound like the velvet hammer now. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I mean, you have, you have a very strong sense of what is right to you and you're not afraid to stand up and say, look, this is right to me or this is wrong to me. And you follow that. And that's a very powerful part of your personality. And, and I'm sure that everyone listening right now completely understands and agrees with this because it comes across whenever you're talking, whenever you're teaching, and whenever you're um, showing people the path, this is the way that you do it. You don't beat around the bush. You're not you know, dilly-dallying. You just sort of say what it is. You know, And that's a positive quality that you have. Now, that quality was there regardless of whether or not I said it to you, Scott. Like it's always been there as long as you've had it. I don't know how long you've had it, but as long as I've known you. And But the difference is that now – I'm calling it out to you. And I guess the only real difference here is that you're feeling the appreciation that I have for this quality. Now, I've known that. I've respected that about your personality. But if I don't say it to you and I don't give you that opportunity to say, hey, I think you're doing this right. Like I think this is really great. Then I know you'll feel valuable. It makes you feel more important and more accepted, more valuable as a person to hear something that someone else admires about you. And one of the best ways to do that, and we, I don't think we do this enough as, I don't know, as a culture, really – and no matter what the culture is in the entire world, I don't think we do this enough, is just practice saying what actually makes you interested in somebody, what you actually respect in somebody. And if you can call out what you respect in somebody and you get used to doing it, people will start wanting to be around you more because that makes them happy to hear that. And so because they want to be around you more, um, they start following you. And when people are following you, you become a leader. And guess what? When you're a leader, you're a badass. You're attractive. You're a confident guy. That's what happens. So it's sort of the grassroots to the core way of being confident. You know, and it, I don't suggest lying at all. Like what I said to you, Scott, is totally true. And I, and I, I just would have had to have the right opportunity to say, I think a lot of people wait till they're just drunk or something. And they go, you know, hey, man, I love you, man. You know what? You don't take shit. You know? <laughs> well, I knew there was like, a reason I had you on the show. So I yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but ultimately, people wait to the wrong time to do that. And whenever you're wasted or something, it doesn't mean what you want it to mean. So I really implore everyone, I really want you to try this out. Just, just start to figure out at least, you don't have to say it in the beginning, but start to really pinpoint what you respect about people. That'll do two things. It'll help them understand uh, that they're doing something right. And they'll feel like you have a source. You are the source of their happiness. Because, you know, that's most people can't even make themselves happy. So if you can make them happy, then you are the source of their happiness. You hold the golden egg here. And they're going to want that thing. They want to be around you more. And so, you know, it does that. It makes them feel better. But also it'll, it'll help you recognize what you actually really appreciate about people and what you want to gain from them as a person and what you really admire. And those things that you're admiring, the things that you respect in other people, those are the qualities that you want to get from them. And that's why you hang out with them in the first place. Yeah, well, thank you for that. I, um, for a long time have been teaching. I even have an audio program on the subject that the coolest guy in any social circle is that guy who makes everybody else in his social circle feel cooler when they're around him. Mm-hmm. Just like Michael Jordan made everybody on the basketball court look better when he was there. It's not the guy who rubs sand in everybody else's face or tries to lord power over everyone else. It's 
the guy who makes everybody else feel cooler and more powerful. He will be the badass, as you term it. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I don't think uh, we should go around giving anybody unsolicited advice, obviously, just like mm-hmm. you said. But when people come around and they're a little bit vulnerable and they say, hey, you know what? How can I be more like you? You're gracious in giving them that which they're asking for. And um, that's part of being this badass. And, you know, just to kind of wrap up the whole conversation with a bow, Josh, mm-hmm. you know, if people can't handle the fact you're a badass and they want to hate you for it, always remember, just kind of like you said, it's them. It's not you. You still have to go without apology and become the most self-actualized person you can be. Love it. Guys, mm-hmm. I think you can already sense that what's in the Dow of badass is going to be worth getting your hands on. Usually I ask these guys to – tell a little bit about their program, but Josh has been telling you about his program for the last 60 minutes. (laughs) You already know what's in there. You already know how valuable it's going to be. This is a conversation that not only is long overdue on this podcast, but this is a program that's long overdue and the information in it is going to be incredibly valuable to you. Head to www.thechickwhisperer.com front slash Josh, J-O-S-H. And uh, you know what? Go ahead and check out the Dow of Badass and uh, make sure that it's right for you. And, you know, that's kind of a loaded question. I mean, who doesn't want to be a badass? Of course it's right for you, man. Go check this out. See what Josh and his team have to say. And um, also, guys, one thing you need to know about what's going on here is we've been uh, working on our Facebook page and almost 3,000 guys on it and women, actually. It's a mixed crowd, uh, kind of co-ed thing, which can't be a bad thing on Facebook. If you want to check it out, I've actually set things up now so that when you hit the like button on our page and become part of this community, I'm going to fork over a free special report called How to Reconnect with Old Crushes on Facebook. Man, everybody I know just kind of get stopped in their tracks when they happen across this picture of this woman they either knew in high school or college or maybe just a few months ago who they either dated, it didn't end in the right way with. Kind of like what we were talking about before, Josh, when you know we were talking about our past experiences and also what Brian and Lexington was going through. Mm-hmm. You know, How can you reconnect with this woman? Should you reconnect with this woman at all? I mean, what if she's married? What if you're married? I mean, should you just leave it alone? Should you say hi? Can you bring closure to that even in that context? What if you wanted to date her in the past and all of a sudden she still looks pretty good and you find out she still lives in your hometown. What should you do next? What should your next move be? You know what, guys? The first move better be the best one or else you're going to screw it up all over again. Check out that report. If you're on Facebook, you know you already want it. So here's what you need to do. You need to go to facebook.com, of course, front slash Scott and Emily. It's Scott with one T as always, S-C-O-T-A-N-D-E-M-I-L-Y. Facebook.com front slash Scott and Emily, and that's our Facebook page. We're also going to kind of give you uh, a neat archive of some of the past newsletters, not all of them, but some of them, kind of like a best of. We're also going to be posting pictures and uh, on-the-fly dating and seduction tips and uh, lots of other surprises too. I'm going to be giving you first access to these podcasts when they're coming out. You're going to be the first to know about those. Generally, a pretty good idea to get on facebook.com front slash Scott and Emily, not only because I'm giving that cool special report out, but just because there's a lot going on there. So Josh Pellis here. Thanks again, man, for joining us today. This has probably been one of our best shows ever. I really enjoyed this conversation. Time flew. Yeah. Thank you, man. It's been absolutely my pleasure. It's always good to talk to you, Scott. You're you're fantastic at this. So (laughs) Definitely a big fan. Mm -hmm. All right, man. So are you. Until I talk to you guys again on the next episode of the world-famous Chick Whisper Show, this is Scott McKay from X and Y Communications. Be good. The Chick Whisperer Podcast is copyright 2009 by X and Y Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. 
be sure to sign up for the X and Y Communications newsletter at www.thechickwhisperer.com. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for The Chick Whisperer Podcast.